amazing. Okay, sorry. Let's now let's I'm officially consulting. introduce this podcast. <laughs> we just jumped straight into it. But <laughs> I'm here with Katie Morton. Welcome back to the From Here to Where podcast. We are recording from Union Cowork Space in downtown Los Angeles. I am so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Woo. Okay. I think people are going to be expecting us to be talking a lot about bachelor stuff, bachelor in paradise. And I'm sorry, that's not going to be this podcast. No. Sorry, guys. Um, I actually want to steer it in a different direction and talk more about like who you were before you were on a reality TV show, what your goals are, and even some things about like your personal experiences with narcolepsy that you talked about. And honestly, just like manifesting your dreams because you yes. are such an incredible, positive person. I love following you on Thank Instagram. You. And I think you're really in touch with your followers. You really care. And that's kind of how it should be for people who have such a large platform to have it like a two-sided um, kind of like conversation with mm -hmm. your followers, which reminds me of the day we met. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, I do. The, it was in Orange County. The Fashion Pass Influencer event. Party. Amanda Stanton's event. You were there. I think Cassie, Cassie Kaylin. Kaylin. Lynn, her friend. Anyway, how ironic because I was sitting there and I felt like such a fish out of water. I was like, all of these beautiful like TV people are around me. I didn't watch the season. I had no idea mm. what was going on. There was like some drama at the time. And we like, sat together. We sat next to each other. We have a picture together. Yes, we do. I even put it on my blog and like I, I knew of you and I knew you were on the show. And then I got like so many messages like, oh my God, you're friends with Katie Morton. I'm like, I'm not, like, I know her. We're not, like, close. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was wild. That was so long ago, it feels like. A lifetime crazy. ago. But, yeah, we we met before we really met. Before I even before knew. Before you ever did Bachelor. And that wasn't even on my radar. I never even considered it. It's just funny how the world works that way. I thought, were you an influencer? What what got you to Fashion Pass? Because I was just... I, I thought you were an influencer. You were... You definitely convinced me. Oh, my God. No, I was so nervous. I was not an influencer. I was friends with Brittany, the CEO of Fashion Pass, mm -hmm. and she's actually on one of our episodes as well. But long story short, you were so sweet and so nice to me in a very intimidating room, and it spoke so much to your character that you were so sweet to me. So... Thanks for wow. that. You're welcome. <laughs> so, we had a good time. We had really a good time. Honestly. It was a good time. I loved it. Okay. Those rooms are actually so intimidating. I get intimidated too. Well, I walk in and I'm like, what's going on? I know no one. And Cassie didn't show up till late. So yeah. I was making friends. Yeah. You just have to make friends. But yeah. I would, I mean, when you're in LA and I was also listening to your friend Peyton's podcast and she said she went to the Revolve all white party or something. Mm -hmm. And she was just talking about how, like, you're surrounded by supermodels, but you just kind of have to laugh at it. Like, yeah. Especially if you're like me. I'm not a supermodel, but, like, you see all these people. You kind of just have to just observe. You kind of just have to be like, I am a supermodel. Yeah. And just be in w one with the one with the models. Yeah. You're and like, all these people are supermodels. Therefore, I am a supermodel. <laughs> Therefore. <laughs> something about, like, I'm going to deduce that this means... I'm a supermodel. <laughs> Law of physics. This Love is just it. how it works. <laughs> so funny. Okay. We're going to start the podcast with a little um, this or that really quick. Amazing. Love these. We're going to get people uh, to get to know you, but I'm sure people already have a good idea who you are if they follow you or have seen the show, but we're going to start. Okay. Wine or cocktails? Ooh. I 
Cocktails? Cocktails? Wow. I feel like at one point I would have picked, depends on the day, but I'll go ahead and say cocktails because if I'm ordering out, cocktail always seems more fun. Like I feel like I'm not going to make, maybe I'll make an espresso martini at home, but I'm not going to make like lavender passion fruit something at home. I'm not going to buy the supplies, so I get a cocktail. Okay. Like tequila or... More of like a vodka or like a French 75 situation. Ooh, okay. Bougie. I don't even know what that is. So it's like, it's like <laughs> Prosecco and gin and lemonade. It's not as it. bougie as you think. It's like lemonade. Sounds <laughs> With good. alcohol. We need to make that sometime. Okay. Summer or winter? Summer. Road trip or airplane? Airplane. hundred percent. Thank you. So many people are like, I love road trips. I want to go on a road trip. It's like, no, don't bring me on a road trip. I think it's a great concept but I want to be on the airplane and then drive around the area. Right, right. Explore by car once explore you're there. Explore by car. Mm-hmm. I get so nauseous in the car. I'll even explore by bike if you want me to, but I'm not going to bike there. I'm not going to drive <laughs> there. I'm not going to drive there. <laughs> the only thing I would do though would be like a train. I think that would be really oh. cool to take an overnight train and like Harry Potter status. Yeah, I would 100%. I do the train to San Diego. Okay, Amtrak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not sponsored Amtrak. We love you. Um, okay, FaceTime or text? FaceTime. Right there with you. Short guys or tall guys? Gosh, I say tall, but I always end up with short. So is how tall? Is I say James? always end up with short. My uh, my two X's are like six foot three. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I I always like have a thing for short guys. James is 5'11". Okay, that's like right in between. I guess I guess it's not short guys. I think I just like average height guys. Honestly, when you came in today, it surprised me how little you were because it's been a while since I've seen you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I'm so jealous. You're so fun size. Like fun size. I'm literally like five foot, almost two. Almost two. (laughs) But you see like my personality, I feel like I'm as tall as all my friends. Like when I walk in the room and I see you, like I know you're tall, but I feel like I'm almost there. Like (laughs) it's like when you show up to the party with all the models, you're also just as tall. I am just as tall as all the models. So I feel like I'm tall. So when I say short guys, I'm like short because if my 5'11 friend were to be with James, he'd be one of the short guys. Mm. But he's not short to me because I'm five foot almost two. He's almost 10 inches taller than me. There we go. So he's he's a tall guy to me. But yeah, short, I guess, in general, he's he's average height. He so I guess like if I'm going to go doll. tall or short, guys, I'll go tall. Tall. Okay. Heels Here's or sneakers? Sneakers. Sne- there we go. I will even Love wear it. sneakers out. I mean, comfort is key, people. Yeah. Comfort's okay. key. Uh, delivery or sit down? Oh. I know that's a hard one. Delivery? Oh. Especially after the year we've had. Like, what would I do? Like, if you don't have deliver or sit down as an option. This says these are hard, but I think... If you put it in the perspective of like, if you had to get rid of one forever. Yeah. Maybe if we do like, if we had to get rid of one forever, this or that, I'll have to keep delivery. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If I had to get rid of one forever, I'll have to keep sneakers. I mean, I'll have for to keep sure. tall guys. How are you supposed to exercise <laughs> so in heels? Like, so I'm going to go with the extreme. Like if I have to keep one forever, delivery. Delivery. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but during the pandemic, I a lot of people taught themselves how to cook or like learned a new skill. I didn't do any of that. Yeah, I didn't do it either. Are you good at cooking? I feel like you post about cooking on your Instagram. I am good at cooking when I cook. I could be a lot better, but 
lately we've just had so many changes and stuff. I just don't cook at all. I just don't feel like doing the cleanup. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the cleanup that puts me off from cooking. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be mad about cooking if someone else would, well, now I've got James. I guess I should have been cooking this whole time. Hey, if you cook, he cleans. It's only fair. Yeah, it's only fair. So mm, maybe I'll do that tonight. We'll see. Just make the messiest <laughs> meal you can imagine. The messiest meal. I'm going to start baking as well. <laughs> I'll just take it all up in Flour. one night. <laughs> I'll be like, babe, are you okay? Okay. Um, country or city? Mm. Suburb. <laughs> Suburb in between? Um, I'll go with city. Oh, if I had to get rid of one forever, shoot. If I had to pick one for forever. Some cities are by the beach, though. So then you get that. I'll go city. There I'll we go. City. There we go. Um, I guess, okay, beach or mountains? Beach. Beach, for sure. Seems like you're in LA over New York. That's kind of a hands down. Yeah, New York, for me, I love it so much, but it's more for visiting. Mm-hmm. I couldn't live there. Yeah. Couldn't I do, do like that it forces me to walk basically 16 to 20,000 steps a day. But... Where the sneakers come in handy. Where the sneakers come in handy. In LA, I'm like, I need to walk to my door for that delivery. But but other than, like, I don't like that in LA. I feel like I do kind of, like, make myself go outside. In New York, you, like, just have to go outside and have to do stuff, which is amazing. Um, but it's hot. It's hot, and there's a lot of walking, and, yeah, you cannot wear heels. And I don't think you can. I, have- I wore heels in New York this last trip. And let me tell you, I kept saying, James, don't let me do it again. And every day I would do it. And I was like, don't let me walk out of here again. What kind of heels? Like a stiletto or? No, it was like a little bit more of a baby heel. Not a kitten heel. I'm not into it. But like a little bit shorter of a heel. They're more casual for me, but not casual in New York. They, they seem like, like a casual heel, but in New York, it's not casual at all. It's like, what, it's what like, are you dressing up for? You're, go, you're walking a mile in those heels, literally. I had a very humbling and tragic experience. Um, actually, when I was recording season one of my podcast, we got a studio out there and I was like wearing this like cute little blazer set and these like, I kid you not, four inch stilettos. And I wow. had to walk down the stairs to go down to the subway after nope. like a long ass interview. And I'm like, Honestly, my pride, I, I was like, the person I was with at the time, he was like, what are you doing? Like, you, this is so stupid. And I'm just like, no, I got this. I was trying my best to own it. Literally almost ate shit falling down the subway steps in New York. So. Oh, it's hard. Don't do it. Don't, don't do, do it. it. Okay. Last one. Um, American guys are British. British. Okay. What are the differences between like guys in the UK and here? Because. Hearing some of your stories about James, he just seems like such a sweetheart. He is a sweetheart. I will say he has his moments. Like, James is not perfect. Don't forget. But, like, he is very sweet. And they are, like, very laid back. I mean, James always says, if I was more laid back, I'd be on the ground. Like, that's how laid back he is, which sometimes stresses me out because I'm like, hello, chop, chop. We have things to do. But I feel like in America, guys are a bit more harsh, hmm. I guess. Like, I'm trying to think. A, a little bit crass, maybe. Um, sometimes not as polite. But I, I feel that there's probably a bunch of rude British guys, too. So yeah, you just found a good one. Okay. You like find the good ones. But I do feel like their quality of life is a bit different. Like they definitely, which has been a challenge for us to figure out the balance or like 
me not consider something he's doing to be lazy Hmm. when really they don't want to work every second of the day like Americans do. I think I saw a meme or a quote somewhere that was like, oh, Europeans, even though they're from, they're British, they're from the UK, but everyone over there, when they do, um, when they have time off, they're like, hi, took the summer off. Like I'll be in the mountains. I'll email you back in September. It's like Americans when they take time off. Hi, I'm, I'm getting a kidney transplant, but I'll be on my cell. Like it's like that, it's that vibe of like, they work and then they chill and they play. And it's like here I feel the difference mainly is the amount of work and how much work America, like the pressure Americans put on themselves essentially. I think that's so important. I feel like we could have an entire podcast just about the work culture. Work culture is it, the biggest difference that I've noticed. Yeah, no, we can't like do they that. They work and then they, home, they go home and there's no more work in their minds. And I'm like, hello, we need to have more work conversations. He's like, no. I'm like, yes. Yeah, so, always yeah. on call and just completely always on our phones. It's Yeah, and also with our jobs, I feel like there's a, a many a jobs that are like this, but I know that with mine, it's um, your work is like essentially your life. At the same time, there's such a mix between work and life. It's your identity. So you don't really know when to stop it. It almost feels like 24 Mm seven. And so you have to establish these boundaries, which are very hard to follow because you're like, I got to take a picture of everything I'm eating and how I'm breathing and what I'm wearing. And like, what did I shower with today? Like, did I, I need to tell them what my shampoo is. So it has been a big difference between him and I in that way, the work culture. Yeah. Like I remember I went on a vacation a couple months ago and I just was like, I'm not going to think about work at all. Like, this is going to be great. And then I just found myself like constantly picking up my phone and documenting everything. And to some people, like that sounds like a lot of fun, but if it's constantly your work and what you do, it's like exhausting all the time being under a microscope. But I also find that um, when I look back at home videos, I'm so happy to see like or even not even my own, like in the 90s videos, I follow a lot of 90s memes of like old videos and stuff. It's really interesting to me to see like people's natural behaviors. Mm -hmm. And it sometimes upsets me that when I pick up my phone, I pick it up to videotape something for the aesthetic of it. Yeah. And the vibe and what it looks like or create a vibe as opposed to I'm when I'm actually having fun now because I associate work so much with picking up your phone and videotaping something when I'm having like so much fun and there's like belly laughs and like you're just screaming laughing I actually tend to not pick up with my phone which is great but those are the things I wish I had on camera Mm -hmm. like those are the things I wish that sometimes we would pick up and start videoing a little bit more like you're not right in the middle like oh my god I'm laughing grab the phone but like right those are the videos I feel like you want to look back at more, like not sunset every single day for the the past year. Or you're capturing things that aren't you. You know, you're capturing like a picture of the sunset or your plate, but it's not like you and your your friends or like your reaction. Yeah, like I find that I also don't take those pictures that we used to take back in like 2012. Well, maybe people are taking them now. I just don't take them. Where you're like, hey, everybody get in the pic. We need to have this to like print off or like just to have so that the next time we see each other in what, three years since – now we're getting older and everyone doesn't see each other every day. Like we can have a picture together from this age. Mm, yeah. It's insane. I mean, 
I'm trying to rewire my brain in that way because sometimes it is a bit sad where I'm like, wow, all my photos are of coffee and food. Hmm. And I'd like them to be of friends and like memories. So is that kind of why you're looking back and like watching those family videos? And also this like kind of goes into like, tell me about your family and your upbringing and yeah. and what that was like. Where are you from and what was your family dynamic like? So <clears throat> I'm from Florida. I'm from like a town outside of Florida, but I was born in Virginia, moved very shortly after. Um, yeah, my parents are married. They still are married. And my dad, I grew up, my dad was a coach and my mom worked at a university. She still works at UCF actually. Okay. Um, she still works there and they're both awesome. They're really nice people. Um, really, my dad is really fun. He's really funny. What kind of coach is he? A basketball coach. So he okay. used to train. He also um, had his own Wow, I'm losing my brain. But he had his own nonprofit for a very long time. It was the Central Florida Sports Academy. And he brought a lot of kids in that were inner city kids and underprivileged kids to place, I mean, essentially get private coaching. He would give them private coaching in basketball. He would put on camps and he would bring like actual celebrity basketball players in. I'm pretty sure... I can't even think of them now, but he brought a bunch of people in. I'm pretty sure he brought Dawkins, who's now a Clippers coach. I'm, I don't know the details, but he's brought a lot of basketball players in to like inspire these kids. He used to get them like he used to finagle his way. Like my dad was like the influencer of his time. Like he would, <laughs> he would like get the free basketball tickets and like in trade for like advertisement of his like nonprofit, or whatever. So you'd get free basketball tickets to give to these kids and like bring them on like essentially a field trip, even though it wasn't for school. Like he would just like do these things so these kids could get experiences around a sport that they really loved. And he would create teams in um, AAU, which is like club basketball, basically like bring people up and, and get them like college scholarships and like wow. really like push them. Some of the girls that he coached are in the WNBA now. So like he oh got them like from one place in as an inner city kid to like the next, like the top level. And he would bring them all the way up like with him and he would do it over and over again. So like that was wow. his thing. So my dad's always been, I've been surrounded by a family who's always been about giving back and like utilizing your skill set to help others that can't necessarily, that don't have all of the means to help themselves. And then my mom is just like, honestly, superwoman, And she just like loves with all her heart. She's very sensitive, like very emotional, but I love her for it. And um, I know I get a lot of those traits like that from her. She's very creative. Like she um, is analytical, but she also is a painter. So mm -hmm. she paints a lot, um, but she's also a genius. So I do feel like I got some of my intelligence from her. And then I have my, she literally plays Jeopardy every night. Not kidding. Um, she like writes down, she tallies how many answers she gets right. Your like mom? She should be on Jeopardy. She should. That like, sounds she, amazing. She, she literally tallies how many she gets right. And okay. she'll, she'll like say it before the person even says it. So I'm like, okay, so you would have hit the beeper before them. So mom would have won Jeopardy multiple times. Do we know somebody, anybody listening like, with a connection? Does anyone, can anyone get my mom <laughs> on Jeopardy? Okay, that would be her dream. Like when Alex Trebek passed, she was beside herself. She was mm -hmm. like, this is a host I've watched for so long. Um, my brother is a soccer player, just like my boyfriend. And... Um, He's awesome. He 
train he actually trains me he does all my workouts for me he's like amazing personal trainer that's he's literally like my personal trainer from afar he sends me all these workouts like today he was like did you do your lifting and I was like oh I'm going right now (laughs) Um, I I saw your story you did it I was like (laughs) I'm here um but yeah he's awesome he's really funny we have a lot of fun together so we've always had a lot of fun together as a fam um it's, yeah, it seems like that competitive spirit probably like started with your dad, like pushing yourself to 100%. the next level, like believing in yourself, training all of the discipline that comes with a sport. And what sports did you play growing up? I know you're into dance, but so yeah, my because my dad is a coach, I went to basketball camp. I was on a basketball team. I went, my dad created a basketball team for me and he was so upset when I was like, I can't do this anymore. He's like, why is my daughter five two? <laughs> he was like, what happened to her? Um, <laughs> I'm like, dad, you're five eight. So chill. Um, he, I went to golf camp as a kid. All of these things, by the way, have actually, all these camps have given me life skills. So like, even if I was like not happy about going to camp, I am so proud these days about the go- going to all these camps. Like I went to soccer. I mean, I was on soccer teams for a, a long time. Um, I did a lot of sports actually. Never volleyball. I will say I never did volleyball or softball or anything, but basketball, golf, and soccer and dance. Yes. Did you say tennis in there? Do you play My tennis? My parents play tennis. Okay. So I every now and then will play, but I'm actually really decent at golf. Really? Like okay. I'm pretty decent. Like I went to these golf camps. I used to go to the driving range like a lot, like shockingly. That's legit. Okay. <laughs> we got a golfer on our hands. When okay. I was like, I'm pretty sure I think I was 10 when I went to golf camp and they had me like learning all these skills and all this stuff. And so when me and James went to Mexico recently, we went to golf and I was like, oh, I haven't golfed in years. And we started golfing on this par three course. Every single one was par three. And I was doing so well. I was shocked. I was like, I was thinking all the way back to golf camp. And I was like, wow, all these skills. Never knew I was going to need golf camp until today. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, I grew up doing a lot of sports with a very competitive family. We're also very competitive in board games. We play a lot of board games. Um, And, yeah, so I left them when I was 18 to go to college. Went to LSU. For dance, right? For dance. Okay. And made the dance team. Honestly, I I didn't apply to the school before I had made the dance team. So like I was, Is that legal? Like how does that work? I don't know if it's allowed. <laughs> but You're like, I, I'm here now. Here's the thing. Like I I saw them compete and I was like, wow, they're amazing. All of a sudden I was like, I want to go try to be on that dance team. I went and I was thinking there's not that much of a chance I'll get on because there was like over a thousand girls trying out. So I was like, yeah, we'll see. Wait, back up. A thousand girls. I'm envisioning like a thousand girls in a room, like all. We were in the basketball room lined up going up the bleachers to go across the floor. I think that's my worst nightmare. I'm not even kidding. It was a lot. There was three rows of girls going all the way up the bleachers. Nowadays, I don't think they have that many people showing up to these auditions, but they had just won a national championship as a dance team. Okay. So pretty much everyone came to this audition. And we drove 12 hours to get there. Talk about not wanting to do road trips. Yeah. Like, I said, the anxiety. I said, what like, about the flight, mom? Nope, nope, no flight. <laughs> we can't fly. She's like, we're driving. So I'm like, oh, no. Um, yeah, the anxiety, you're just like, I got ready that morning and for 12 hours had my hair and makeup done, just like in the car, ready to go to this audition. Sounds like being on a reality TV show. (laughs) Literally hurry up and wait. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, so got there, made the dance team, had to apply for school, and yeah, went to school there, graduated, and then eventually moved out to LA. So dance is a really competitive sport, and I feel like doing something like that requires a lot of confidence, especially being in a big room with a bunch of other women, and you're looking around comparing yourself to the girls next to you. I mean, mm-hmm. or do you do that at all, or what is your philosophy on you know, empowerment for yourself? You know, I always... I do look around because I do think like there's a healthy amount of comparison. Everyone will be like, comparison is the thief of joy. I do believe that to a certain degree, but I also believe that in things like sports, you do need to have some sort of like bar or level of comparison to know like, you know, I'm not up to par. I need to step it up. Right. Or, you know, these are their skill sets, but this is my skill set. So I'm not the most flexible person. I can do like the splits and all that. But as a dancer, there's a complete another level to flexibility. And I'm not the most flexible. I know that. But I'm powerful. Like My legs are strong and powerful. So I can jump higher than most. So I can get my legs to like where they need to be. And my performance quality, like I make eye contact. I smile. I have like... I knew that I could perform because when mm-hmm. people say like, oh, I like to watch you dance, they don't like to watch you dance if you, you can't perform. So I'm right. like, okay, I know I can perform and I know I'm powerful. So I'm going to lean into that. And when it comes to things like if I see a girl doing this thing where she's like holding her leg at her face and like doing all these flexible things, I'm not going to go out there and try and show up and do that because that's not what I'm good at. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make her better than me. I'm just going to go do things I'm good at. I'm going to keep it simple. I'm going to keep it entertaining and I'm going to do, I'm going to keep it simple and entertaining. (laughs) I'm going to do that. And so like I would do like moves that like weren't even real moves, but I would keep it real contained. Like there's more where this came from. There might not be any more where this came from. I might not have any other skills, but I'm keeping it so simple that they think there's more (laughs) skills back there. And that's kind of like what I always did. And I always knew that I had the work ethic to once they, once I got on the team, I worked for whatever they told me to do. Mm -hmm. If they told me to do something I couldn't do, I would work until I got it, Mm -hmm. which didn't take me long because I would just, I was just queen of repetition. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I never, I think comparison is interesting in that way um, and confidence is very important. But the way to build your confidence isn't to compare, I think, isn't to compare and bring yourself down. It's, It's to compare and take that and use it for your advantage. So like, there's comparison and then taking that comparison and judging yourself. Mm-hmm. Then there's comparison and using it for yourself. Right. I, right. I really think that's true, like in the dance world. And it will give you more confidence. I think like what a metaphor for life too, you know, like doing something that is unique to you. Like maybe you can't do what the girl next to you can do, but you can do your own thing. And I yeah. think that's a beautiful thing. Lean into that. And it clear, it's so clear to see that you learn so many skills just being on the dance team and, you know, like starting college and branching out away from yeah. home. I'm curious, like expectations versus reality, like being on a dance team, being in college for the first time, anything that was kind of challenging for you or maybe surprised you, whether it was college or the dance team or that time of your life? Honestly, college was so hard. It was shocking. That did surprise me. Like in high school, I think they let us by way too easy. Mm. I don't know if you went to a high school like that, but my high school, 
I look back and I'm like, damn, they should have been stricter with me because college was so hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like in high school, I didn't, because I was so busy in sports, it kind of went the same in college. Like people, uh, like luckily for me would sometimes give me a break or like a little extra time for things because I felt like my schedule was a lot and Mm -hmm. it was hard to balance and time manage. Like I felt like the most shocking thing for me in college was the time management. That's I I mean, even in the adult world, like time management still shocks me. I'm like, how did I not get this stuff done? Like, how did I not get five things done? Um, But yeah, I mean, that was like the most, I guess, shocking thing is just being on your own. Like in high school, you go to school, you come home, your parents probably made you dinner. Well, mine did. Very lucky. My mom would make me dinner. So I knew I had dinner from 6 to 6.30. Then I knew I had dance uh, maybe at 7. So like I'd have like 30 minutes to do some homework. And then right after dance, like whatever that time was, like shower and get more work done, Mm -hmm. go to bed, repeat. And you have your parents looking over you, seeing. They're doing the laundry. They're doing, like my parents really were. They helped me in that way, but it all almost kind of hindered me as well. Hmm. So like if I were to go back and do it again, I would probably want to, I mean, I wouldn't go back and do it again, but I think that it's important to try to start like while your parents are there to help, like try to start taking on more responsibility right. for yourself because it's going to happen. And if it's abrupt, it's much harder. For sure. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember, I mean, I started making my lunches I think as a fifth grader, like I'm not joking. My mom was wow. like, I have to go to work. Uh, you know where the peanut butter is. You know where the jelly is. Get it together. And then I remember in middle school, she like shrunk a shirt of mine. And, and then you I was pissed. mad. I was pissed. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm doing my laundry forever. And so, yeah. Yeah. But that was kind of, you know. But weird. see, that was gradual. Yeah. So then so then you got like more a skill set that helped you to time manage, which is so nice. Like you have no idea how valuable it is to ha- do your own laundry. I know that sounds weird. Like I'm very blessed that my mom did it and I don't think it's one's bad, one's good. But I will say that it was a shocking, very abrupt thing to have to do what I'm doing and then add adulting like mm-hmm. all all in one no preparation like I shrunk my clothes in college I was pissed at myself for shrinking my clothes but I learned so mm-hmm. you learn it's just one way or another and what about friends like coming to college did you know any of the girls that were there did you have a group of friends coming with you what was that mm-hmm. like I had one acquaintance okay who is now my best friend but I had one acquaintance going into it she danced Um, she competed against me in dance like for a very, very long time prior. And she actually ended up on the dance team with me my second year. Um, but I knew her my first year. She just didn't join the dance team. And yeah, so that was nice, but no, I had no friends going in and that's intimidating. The whole thing was a, a full new experience, but I thought it was intimidating at first, but at the same time, I felt like there were so many other kids that also like didn't have a friend group. And the ones that did, they either welcomed you into their friend group or they were bitchy about it. Excuse right. my French. They no, were just yeah. bitchy about it. And you'd be like, well, I don't want to be friends with you anyway. Clicky, like the people that were friends in high school that are now continuing that and are friends in college. I'm like, yeah. why don't you want to 
that totally happened in my college. It was weird. It happened so bad to the point where I had like a low-key traumatic experience getting a dorm. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going into college, had no friends. So mind you, I'm like already kind of, I'm not intimidated. I was excited and like, Oh, this makes me feel so sad for like young Katie. I was so excited to go into this all-girl dorm where it was going to be a community of women who are like like going to be these college-educated girls just power walking through campus together. I'm pumped to meet my new dorm mates or whatever because mm-hmm. I'm thinking like new roommates, this is exciting. I do have the like I do know that that could get a couple of weirdos, but like I do think it's exciting. I accidentally, it was like kind of a lottery because this dorm, like everyone wanted it. So I popped into this room. Like you just pick a room on the thing. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I was thinking you just pick a room on the thing. There are girls that had high school cliques going to the school that wanted to get rooms together. So I guess I like messing up their plan or something. Yeah, I had clicked on a three bedroom room because I wanted to be with four girls. So it'd be like fun, like if I don't like one, I got to like another one. Right. So um, I clicked and I got so bullied. Like I remember these girls now. I like think about that. Like some, I, I just like, I don't think about them often, but I've like randomly come across like, um, I made friends with one of them that was next door. They're all still friends. So I would randomly see like a random picture. I'm like, damn, those girls were so mean. But they bullied me out of the room. They were like, get out of this room. We have wanted to be in this room together. We had plans, like all this stuff. And I'm like, I'm alone. I don't even know where to go. I ended up popping. I was like, I don't even want to be in that room anyway because they were so clicky. That I is, oh my God. popped out of that room and just joined another room with one single person. That girl was great. And I was an absolute just like chaotic mess because I was trying to figure out like my dance team schedule and all that. So I would come in, drop a bag down, pick up a new bag, run out. And she was so great. I loved her. And she like welcomed me in with her family who was like locals. They like brought me to my first tailgate and they like hosted it. I ended up having such a good time. So like one door literally shut on my face and another one opened and it was such such a better experience. And those girls had big regrets because they ended up being real big fans of the dance team. They didn't like what they did. I was like, you know what you did. Um, but yeah, so it was intimidating, but it all worked out. It all will always work out for the girls that are going to college. It'll sometimes sometimes a no is a yes. <laughs> a no can be the most literal yes. Like it was it was such a nice no as well. Like I, I did feel my resistance to that no because I felt really scared. Mm. But then once I was like, I have to get out of this room. It's going to be terrible to be with these girls now that they told me how much they don't want me. Mm. Um I like just popped into the other room and it was amazing. But that's so normal. And like, I think about my experiences when I went to Mizzou, I didn't know anybody coming from Mm. San Diego. People thought it was crazy to go someplace where I knew nobody and wanting that sense of belonging and community, like how you did and just kind of like having open arms and, and then being greeted with like clickiness and people shutting you out. And I think that's way more common than we we talk about and yeah like to any girls listening to this podcast because that's our audience like young girls in college like somebody going through that now like yeah I feel like you have a lot of like self-motivation and self-courage and you're like you know what if they don't want to be with me that's fine but like maybe to somebody else what would you say to encourage them Oh gosh, I would say there's going to be someone else in that dorm that is going to make you feel way more at home than the people that you're forcing it with. Right. Like the more you force it, the more you're going to feel like a loss of a personal identity. 
Mm. And I feel, I feel like, let's say I would have forced it with those girls. What else would I have forced with them to be included? That would have been the first start of forcing it. Then I would have felt like I had to kind of like, kind of be adhered by whatever rules they had because I already felt bad that I took the room or like maybe kind of join what they're doing. Like I would have started forcing a lot of things. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to let this go. I'm going to do my own thing. And I think that knowing when to let something go is very important and just realizing that there's so many people out there in this world that will accept you as a human being and will let you just be yourself and exist, like simply exist in your own space, which is the very thing they were like basically telling me not to do, um, that it'll all be good. Mm -hmm. Like if it doesn't feel good, it probably isn't good. This episode is brought to you by Organifi. Organifi is a San Diego-based organic superfood company and my go-to spot to make wellness easy. I love that Organifi's products are vegan, non-GMO, and keto-friendly, and I just love how they make me feel healthy, refreshed, and empowered to know that I'm doing something every day for my overall health. I love Organifi's green juice blend for stress support. This one helps reset my body and boost energy. And I also love Organifi's immunity blend. My morning ritual is to mix one of these packets with water for a boost in vitamin C and overall immune support. Organifi's products taste great and are a simple way to supplement essential vitamins, nutrients, and proteins. I love these products. They are amazing. And you can choose from dozens of healthy, unique blends on their website, OrganifiShop.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I-Shop.com. So switching gears here a little bit, um, Mm. I want to talk about narcolepsy and your diagnosis. So for those who don't know, what is that? So I know a lot of people are thinking narcolepsy is where you just randomly fall asleep. That's what everyone asks me when when I first tell them. When really it's just a case of – it's a disorder, no cure, and a case of excessive daytime sleepiness. Mm. That's the basics of it. It's a lot deeper than that. My brain can go into REM sleep fairly quickly, which seems like it would be like everyone's like best thing ever. Like, oh, I can just hit the sheets and go to bed. But it's the fact that I, you don't stay in REM sleep a long time. You kind of go in and out of sleep throughout the night without waking your eyes up. Like your brain is going in and out of light and deep sleep um, a little bit differently than others. So you don't get as good quality of sleep. So when you wake up, technically, you feel like you aren't – you'll feel, like, awake, and then an hour into it, you're like, oh, no. I feel like I'm not very rested, hmm. um, which leads to the excessive daytime sleepiness. Now you're just kind of tired all day. I kind of describe it as, like, sometimes I feel like a little kid who just needs a nap. And when I say sometimes, I mean all day. <laughs> um, I am medicated, so that helps, but I still feel it. Even taking medication, I'm like, my eyes burn. That that feeling when your eyes burn and you kind of could just like take a 20 minute nap, it's persistent. Wow. So you get that little bit of brain fog when you're super tired. You're like, I know if I just took like a quick nap, like I'll be on it. Mm -hmm. That's the feeling I feel all day. So it has been hard for like time management and like how I was saying, time management and different things have been just basic stuff has been a bit tough because I'm kind of operating on an always tired situation Mm -hmm. um and as they say sleep is the best medicine and so if you don't feel rested it kind of does throw you um I did get diagnosed when I was 15 I was super lucky 
most people don't get diagnosed as fast as I do. It takes a very long time. Like once you realize there's an issue, it's typically you're like, people think you're being lazy or has a lot of similar symptoms to depression. Mm-hmm. Um, or you start eating overeating because your brain thinks you're so tired that it sees food as energy. So you just constantly eat all day. Just certain things where doctors can kind of see it as a couple of different things and not pinpoint narcolepsy right away because you don't end up describing narcolepsy. You explain to one doctor it's this, your therapist, you feel depressed, this person you're overeating like, or like you have like a gastro issue or something. So then not, you don't, no one sees a full picture, which is why diagnosis is like so tough these days with it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people look at it as ADD or ADHD. So anyway, I got diagnosed because my brother actually was born with epilepsy. So he had seizures all the way up until he was nine. Um, he grew out of them. And when that happened, I started doing like kind of poorly in school. I was missing pieces. Like I would have memory loss issues. I'd be like, my teacher didn't even ask for that. My And my teacher would be like, yes, I did. I was like, what? When? I just would have like chunks where I didn't remember. But it's when you're like that tired, you're like the day kind of just was like a wow. blur. Mm-hmm. That's how every day was to the extreme. So I was like, did they? I'm missing like huge chunks. I started not performing well in school, which was very unlike me. And so then the doctor was like, maybe she's having what's called absent seizures. And those are when you basically are just sitting there and you're having a seizure and it doesn't look like you are. So a lot of little kids that are having like staring issues or something, they tell them, tell you to bring them in for seizures. Um, Must be pretty scary though for you and your parents, like trying to, in that diagnosis time of like, what's going on? What's going on? I don't feel right. Yeah. I just... Well, in all honesty, it wasn't as scary as I think it would have been for someone who wasn't doing as much as me. So Mm -hmm. like because I would go to dance all night and do homework really late and then wake up super early for high school because high school was at what, like 7 a.m.? Yeah. (laughs) You're waking up like 6 a.m. I was doing homework till midnight. So I was getting too little sleep anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, We were just thinking I'm just – tired yeah burnt out or naturally like you're burnt out and I'm just skipping things or whatever the case so um but I was so anyway that's really easy to kind of like overlook it so it wasn't as scary as it was like I think she's just exhausted but we're not going to give up anything Mm -hmm. um unless it's school just kidding um what can we remove from the equation (laughs) math I I say (laughs) I say math um (laughs) honestly so then I went in because they were like, let's do some tests in the hospital for seizures. So I spent my whole spring break in the hospital. Oh. I was like, <laughs> it was like the worst thing ever at the time. <laughs> I said it in high school. You're like, <laughs> in high school, you're like, this is spring break, mom. Um, and they were like, oh, you're not having seizures. You're narcoleptic. And I was like, tight, what's that? And so then they told me, and my mom was like, wow, it all makes sense. Every morning I come, and she said, <laughs> my mom starts spilling all of these, like, confessions that I didn't know because I was sleeping. And she'd be like, every morning, I come in to wake her up. We would get in fights in the morning before high school. She's like, I come in to wake her up, and she sa- she would say through the door, I'm awake. And when I would walk in, she'd be sleeping. <laughs> or I would be, like, standing there, like, apparently closing my eyes with, like, half, like, have my sweatshirt on or something like about to be getting dressed just like kind of standing there I'm like I'm resting my eyes mom and she would like yell at me she'd be like you need to move faster and I was like I I am like I can't um 
we would literally just be like arguing with each other. But it it made a whole lot of sense after that. It was a big relief to get answers. So right. like at first I feel like my mom was really sad. She, I was like, mom, it's okay. And she's like, I just feel like I've been yelling at you for no reason. I'm like, it's fine. Aww. At least now I'm not going to be tired anymore. Like someone can help me. This is great. Um, and it sounds like you have a really open line of communication with your parents and also like asking for help, which also yeah. seems really important in order to understand what's going on. Well, I think in high school, I was a little bit more on the pushback. Like I definitely had a little bit of an attitude. I wasn't, I, I mean, not compared to some probably, but I definitely had more of a pushback in terms of communication. Like I'd be like, mom, it's none of your business or like mm-hmm. in that way, especially if it came to like boy things or like secrets right. between friends or whatever. I would definitely not tell her everything. But yeah, when it came to this, I was like, thank God. Well, something as important as your health. Yeah. I was like, awake? That sounds nice. Like, <laughs> please yeah. give me all you got. So yeah, that was really nice. And it was a bit of a journey from then until honestly now I mean when you go to college things change as well your sleep schedule change I the biggest difference I can say that has made anything seem somewhat consistent is just getting yourself on a sleep schedule right even if you're not narcoleptic like a sleep schedule just make that the most consistent thing in your life and give yourself like two days out of the week where you don't stick with it and every other day where you do and I swear you'll see changes because narcolepsy or not Like I've seen huge changes in just having a consistent sleep schedule with Mm -hmm. every other thing changing in my life. That is like the most important thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I like people make fun of me as well. Like, oh, I need seven, eight hours to sleep. And some of my friends are totally fine and function on, you know, six or five or even less and less or less. And to me, it's it's okay to say you need to sleep. And sometimes I take power naps, too. There's nothing wrong with that. No, sleep is so important for your health I put sleep over going to the gym and overeating healthy in all honesty because if you don't sleep properly your brain can't even put together what you did at the gym Mm -hmm. and what you what like it can't it can't have the memory like you start losing out on your short-term and long-term memory depending on how much you're not sleeping you start losing out on a lot mentally um, so for everyone, sleep is super important. It should be like the forefront of your health and self-care routine. But I do get jealous sometimes of people that are literally sleeping four hours a night only because they're working more than me. Right. And I feel like I'm like, there are not enough hours in the day, but I want more. <laughs> I'm like, I, if I could have a superpower, it would be to clone myself so I could do like all the things that I want to do. There are not with my own personal preferences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I could do all my things with my own thoughts, like the way I want to do them. Cause like people can get an assistant and all this stuff, but like, it's not you, it's not the way you're thinking. Exactly. Why doesn't this exist yet? Why doesn't this exist? But yes. So I do sometimes get jealous of people that can just stay up all night, stay up till midnight. I'm like, I'm going to stay up till midnight tonight and do some work. 9 p.m. comes around. I'm like, yeah, that's not happening. 9 p.m. and a glass of wine. I'm like, I'm done. Like, what are we watching on Netflix? Like, I'm done. But that's so important. And narcoleptic or not, I think it it gives – it will ultimately – be good for your skin, be good for your brain, be good for a whole lot of other things, be good for my attitude if I get enough sleep. Um, but yeah, thanks for asking me about that. It 
has been a journey, but I have been very grateful that I've been able to, I've been grateful that I've had, I guess, the courage to open up about it in the sense that I didn't realize how many other people either had it or were feeling the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's rare, but I guess when you have a large platform, like how rare can it actually, there's got to be at least 10 people mm-hmm. that are probably experiencing it. And even if there's only one, that's enough for me. Well, I can kind of relate like falling into the almost accidental spokeswoman role because, yeah. you know, my family situation with ALS, yeah. I'm like, this is just something that's happened to me and is part of my life. And like, same with you, narcolepsy is just something that happened to you and is part of, you know, your health and your journey. But then when you realize like you do have a platform and you can talk about it. You don't realize how many people come to the forefront to say something about that as well. And how empowering it is to see people and to feel like, you know, just talking about this little thing is actually making a difference and raising awareness, which is incredible. Yeah. Love that. I love that. So yeah, you've kind of like developed into this spokesperson role. You have a large following on social media. I'm curious, you know, whether you have half a million followers or 500 followers, there's a lot of bullying and unfortunately like a lot of negativity. And I don't know if it was just like this past year with COVID because people haven't had anything better to do, but Mm -hmm. there are some really nasty people on social media. Literally so gross. So nasty. Like the other day I had somebody like an old lady actually comment. Like you think these are like mean little teenagers. This was like a woman who Most of mine are old women. Old women who... Most of my trolls are older women. (laughs) I don't... Maybe they don't understand the platform. They don't realize that we see the comments they write. Mm -hmm. But she wrote something like so absurd and mean. And I'm like, I can tell you're like somebody's grandma and you're here on Instagram trolling me. Like, okay, clearly I need your advice because how do you deal with it? See... The ones that are super, super mean, I find so laughable. I don't know what it is, but like when they're really, really mean, I'm like, I mean, mean in the sense of ridiculous. I'm like, well, that's, that was, she tried. Like she just, she tried. And how many people has she done this with all day? And what did she get done today? Who knows? Probably nothing. Now she's stressed. Now she's going to do worse tomorrow to somebody else. But like those almost make me laugh. The ones that are so mean are the ones that, have half truths in them or like a half truth that you almost believe yourself Mm -hmm. those are the ones that will really like ping you like let's say maybe it's something you're already insecure about and someone points it out that's when you're like oh no or like sometimes people say stuff about james they're like you know the englishman he'll leave you if you're if you're too high strung and i'm like i am high strung he's not going anywhere (laughs) wait is that a thing i had no idea this one woman says it to me like all day i'm like all right She's like, don't drag him around too much. Don't tell him what to do. I'm like, okay, chill. Chill, Sharon. Chill. Um, <laughs> All the Sharons on social Sharon, media need to chill. I'm like, Sharon, Shannon, Karen, everybody. <laughs> Carol. Um, Carol. So, yeah, some of them, the ones that have half-truths are the ones that always will actually affect you, I believe. Like, the ones that are just like, you should go fall off a cliff. You're like, damn, that is harsh. But it doesn't really get you. You know that. I mean, do those ones actually get no, you? No, I, I responded to her like like that was savage, like like with a laughing face because yeah. I, I'm like, it's kind of like, you know, brush it off. But yeah, but so, it, it is sometimes the ones with the half truths where or, the, or something that you might have believed in the past exactly. about yourself, like or just something that's like deeply personal. I guess to me, what affects me the most is when people 
you know, I try to share so much about my family and my circumstance and be as mm-hmm. transparent as possible, but it's just not possible at the end of the day for people to know the full picture as I, much never. as what I share. And so when somebody comments something that is just like so mean and not true about like my dad or my family or my past caregiving situation, those ones really affect me. And yeah, it's because it's the ones where you feel like fighting, defending for your truth. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones, and you know it's not worth it. It's those are the ones that take the most energy out of you because you're holding yourself back. You've got thoughts about it. Like those are the ones where you want to pop off. But the only way I really get through that is like I realize that ego is the enemy for so many people. Mm-hmm. And the reason a lot of the times that they pop off or you want to pop off isn't because you you know your truth and you did those things it's because your ego wants to set the record straight right Mm -hmm. and if you put everything aside you know what you do you know what you've done you know who you are and if you can put the trying to make a point and trying to set the record straight and trying to like clear your name when it doesn't need to be cleared Mm -hmm. type of situation if you can try and say like ego is my enemy right now like why do why do I really want to tell this person the truth. Mm-hmm. Do I want to tell them because because I feel like I really should properly educate them? It'd be a whole different conversation. But if you're here to defend yourself and like you're going up to battle, is that more for your ego to be at rest with putting that person into place? Mm-hmm. Probably. So I read a book once called Ego is the Enemy mm-hmm. by Ryan Holiday. I love it so much. And it, it helped me almost rewire my thoughts. I actually read it a second time in the very beginning of quarantine. And that was kind of like not long after my trolls were still very much around. (laughs) They're still there. They were still very, very much around. Um, Probably around like the same time exiting uh, paradise as your time exiting bachelor, like as now Mm -hmm. for you. So that was around the time when I kind of started rewiring my thoughts on how how much trolls affect me. Now, sometimes I straight up put trolls out there and I'm like, this is what this person said. Do you see this? Like when they say something about my nose or like my any type of like looks or like comment on like my actual character, like it hurts. Like I usually put it out there and I'm like, this actually hurts. This sucks. Like I don't Mm want to, I don't want to come and read these things. Hurting is different than trying to set the record straight. Like mm-hmm. you can definitely hurt about it for a second and then like realize who the fuck you are. Right. Essentially. And know that like when you see a beautiful woman walking across the street, unfortunately, unfortunately, we don't all go up to her and I'm like, you are so beautiful. Like one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen her. Like you are, you are shredding it down this street. You don't walk up to someone and say that, but like you think it. And so mm-hmm. there's so many people thinking those things mm-hmm. about you but there's always the person, but all you get to hear is the person who thinks so negatively, unfortunately. So one of my friends also gave me the advice of like, she doesn't let the good affect her and sh- so that the bad doesn't affect her. Mm-hmm. So try not to take too much of the good in because the bad will hurt a lot worse. But that's been, that's been hard for me because when people say nice things, I'm like, thank you so much. Like it mm-hmm. does give me an overwhelming sense of joy. So I don't know if you can take from that. I try not to. I try to be more stoic about it. But um, I say ego is the enemy has helped me honestly the most with all of it. Yeah. All the trolls. That's really good advice. No, and I will definitely take that to heart because although like, I mean, our platforms are a little bit different. We've been through a similar situation and 
it's difficult and it's hard it's out difficult. there. And even like ego is the enemy in so many things. Like even the story I told you about the dorm girls, like if I would have stayed in there, that would have been my damn ego. And right. it would have it would have been my full enemy because I would have been paying for it every day of my life in that dorm. But I had to let it go because I had to say like, look, I have no pr- point to prove here. I need to take myself out of this situation and just like do my thing. Completely. You are so wise. I mean, beyond your years. Like, I feel like you should be like a guru, like, you know, speaking the truth, which you kind of are because you have your virtual BFF. So a lot of people come to you for advice. Obviously, I I just came to you for advice, but I think it's so cool. So catching people up to speed as she pulls it up on her phone, Katie will ask her audience like questions about relationships or just, you know, things that are going on in their lives. And Katie is their virtual BFF, giving her take, her perspective. I think it's really cool. Yes. So I started this not too long ago on social because I was like, we could do true or false, which I've done before, question and answer. But, you know, I feel like I think I was having a conversation with my manager and I was she was like, you need to tell show people yourself. And I was like, what do you mean show people myself? I just could not get the concept of like whipping out the phone and just talking to social media and giving them updates. But I I was like, listen, I talk on the phone all day long. I am such a phone talker. I'm on the phone with all my friends all day. Like I'll be working or talking on the phone, just giving updates. And I was like, there's one thing I know I am and that's a good friend. <laughs> there we go. And, and then- I was like, so you know what? If anyone needs advice, because I feel like I'm constantly giving it on the phone, I'm going to show up for my followers as their friend. And so I did that and um, and it honestly was a big hit. And so I do it every now and then. I kind of wish I did it more, but in all honesty, when it happens, oh, it explodes. I'm and sure. I'm going to start asking questions in there. I'm going to be like, Katie, what do I do? Help. Advice. Okay, I'm pulling it up. So sorry. But this is also amazing because this is, again, exactly like what a platform like yours should be about, like bringing people together and having that two-sided relationship with with your followers. And I think that's kind of like the genuine interaction we can hope for on social media. It There's a lot of fake stuff on social media, a lot of, you know, fake friends and all of that. But I think what you're doing is a really refreshing, like breath of fresh air. Thank you. I Oh, here we are. Here we are. Okay, I have quite a few. Oh my god! So, I don't know where. Can you, I pick them? You can totally Ooh. pick them. I've got tons. Okay. Ooh. Having doubts about my boyfriend of three years, I feel like we lost our spark. What do I do? Wow, I actually read that one, and I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna have to save this girl chat for another day." Um. So this is a great one. I feel. I feel torn on this one for for a couple of reasons. I think at one point there's not I think you should always try to stay dating. Like even though your boyfriend and girlfriend, husband and wife, you should still treat each other often like you're dating. Like there's a curiosity there. Um and that goes in both ends. If you are curious about him, don't be like I'm curious about you. Okay. Now be curious about me, but like if you're curious about him naturally or doing little surprises here and there, um, whatever you used to do when you first started dating, I think that will always help kind of get spark back. I think there's a difference between having spark and having like 
some sort of like resentment or something like time has worn on you and now you guys are have grown apart like I think growing apart and growing together is important to recognize which of the two has been done so if you guys have grown together but it seems boring that's okay because like it's going to be boring a lot of the times you got to just like dig deep and remember why did you guys fall in love with each other what did you guys do when you were falling in love with each other for each other? Do some of those things for him. I guarantee he'll be inspired to do some of those things for you, but don't expect it because that's when resentment comes in. Mm. Um, and then kind of see where you go from there. If you feel happy doing things for him and eventually the ball starts to kind of move and shift, then that's great. If you don't and you feel like it's kind of out of sorts, then it may be time to truly rethink. But I think you got to give it a shot first. And communicate that you're having communicate. Your communicate. Say like, 100%. That's a great one. Also, just be like, I want to add some spark back in. Like, I want us to, like, kind of start dating again, like how we were in the beginning. Oh, Boom. my gosh. Boom. I love it. Okay. I'm trying to think. These are all so good. Wow, wow, wow. Oh, my goodness. This is crazy how many responses you get. Okay. This is a really good one, and I feel like it almost makes sense with that like nomadic lifestyle that you are going through Amazing. right now. Amazing. I quit my job. I wait, backing up. I quit my toxic job, but so anxious about what's next. No real savings, but needed out help. What to do in a move? It's scary. That is very scary to not have that backup, but you got to honestly, I don't know what you believe in, have faith in yourself um, to know that you are educated and you will do what it takes. You won't let yourself down. So knowing that you'll never let yourself down, of course, there might be jobs that you will take maybe babysitting, um, different odds and ends, helping people organize, just start a list, writing down all of your strengths. And then all from the list of all of your strengths, circle things that actually fuel you and make you more energized. And that might lead you in the direction of things you either can be doing in the meantime um, or job a job that you might want later um, if you don't have a job pinned down. And you can kind of kind of go from there. And then when it comes to moving, I would say downsize as much as possible and know that it doesn't have to be permanent because a lot of people have been in this in between, especially with COVID. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think having anxiety is very normal. It's common. Yeah. But taking the leap, especially as this person said, it's a toxic job. They're moving away. Yeah, that's good for them. That's a good choice. So that means they know you already have your own back knowing that you stepped away from a toxic job, but not having anything set lined up. That's all right. But make sure you talk about it with your friends and others so that people know you're at least looking or um, and once you write down your strengths, like offer up your services or your strengths to others and kind of see if other jobs or other activities feel like they could turn into something as well. That's amazing. Whilst downgrading or not, not downgrading, sorry. While, whilst, um, descaling your life, don't, don't live like you were with a full job, but, um, know that it will come. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Trust yourself, trust your gut. This is a really good one. I have a close friend from college eight years ago who says I'm her bestie, but I don't feel the same. She hasn't matured much and disrespects my boundaries. How would you handle this? Wow. These are some really good These are responses. great. I think that keeping your distance is 100% okay. If she 
hasn't matured much, she'll get really angry. <laughs> but you're going to have to not, you're going to have to remember that ego is the enemy and you don't have anything to prove. It's going to really hurt her to hear that you guys have changed. No matter what you say, like, I wouldn't go with the attack mode and say like, you're immature. But you know, to say that life has changed and things have changed, you can say, sorry, I'm sorry that life has like brought us apart a little bit. Um, and that you wish that it wasn't that way. Um, but maybe find a place for her if you, if you want to find a place for her that she fits into your life. Like maybe if you like to go out to dinner on the weekends or whatever, and that's where she fits, then do that. If she doesn't fit, that's perfectly okay. Just keep your distance and know, you know, your own boundaries. It's obvious. It's obvious that you do because you can see that someone's not respecting them. And if someone can't respect them, then they probably have to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but be unapologetic about it without being, um, I guess mean about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if she's not respecting boundaries. Yeah. Maybe she, she probably also doesn't know that she's not respecting them. Like, so let's say, um, it's something like, oh, I've got, I've got this till five. If that, if she doesn't work, she's like, come on, we can do this at four or whatever. Something like that. People don't realize when they're, you might have to communicate like, Hey, I've made these boundaries for myself for, for this reason. It would mean a lot to me if you could respect them. And if she can't after saying that very clearly, then you know that there's a big immaturity there. But it might show maturity for you if she's able to say, oh, wow, I didn't realize. And actually, like, you might see a, a shift. That conversation might right there might show you whether or not that friendship should continue. Yeah. Amazing advice. Okay, when are you going to be writing a book? My goodness. <laughs> I feel like there, we should just take all of these questions and put them into a book and for put you. put them in a book. Wow. But Sarah's my manager. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. This is an interesting one. Okay, so somebody says, I feel a lot of pressure to buy a house because all my friends are doing it, but I feel like I'll never be able to save. What do I do? Oh, wow. This one. So I also would love to buy a house as we probably all would. Um, I get that. This is like when you're going from, I feel maybe in the South, you're younger, but like 20s to 30s. This is so perfect. So perfect from here to where because you don't have to be where everyone else is. And society puts that pressure on you and maybe not even on purpose. Like, I think a lot of it is just timing. Maybe they've found someone. Maybe they've had these goals for a longer period of time. And this is just how it happened. And if you aren't able to save enough, know that so many other people are right there with you. Um, renting is actually has such a negative connotation. It's not a bad thing. Yes, you're not save, getting like equity into something and maybe something's not appreciating, but renting is great because you're able to, there's positives. You're able to move about. You're able to switch where you're going to be living. You can try out a new city with no real ties and mm -hmm. not having to sell and put something, go, something goes through escrow and all this different stuff. Like you're not paying property tax in that way. Like, so yeah, renting is different, but it's not necessarily bad in every situation. And renting, if it's what you can do right now, then I think that's amazing in itself. Um, 
if you really, if that is your goal to buy a house and that is your only goal, I think maybe look at a place that has more affordable housing or more affordable homes. And if those aren't your style and you like the location better, recognize that you, it is 100% okay to rent and that apartment wouldn't be there if there weren't going to be 200 other renters in that apartment building mm-hmm. because half of those people are probably in the same position as you. So you're not alone. It's absolutely okay. Um, I, I do know that feeling of wanting a backyard mm-hmm. because I live in Los Angeles and boy, have I wanted a backyard for like six years now. But that's what your friends are for. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that's that's why you take a vacation to the countryside. <laughs> that's why you take a vacate. But yeah, so if you haven't been able to save um, and you maybe feel like you need financial advice, I always say Google it. <laughs> Google it. Google it. Google it. Make yourself a budget. Say, this is the kind of house I want. Put that number down as to what you're going to want to afford, not what you can afford right now or can't afford right now. Put the number down of the amount in a house that you want to buy eventually and then break that number down. You start from the you start from the end and you break it down to where you are now. So I want to buy a four hundred thousand dollar house. I need to save up forty thousand dollars. I want to save up forty thousand dollars by. And remember, you can do three to five percent on your first one. But I want to save forty thousand dollars in the next three years. How do I make how do I break that forty thousand dollars down by month, by week? How much am I eating out? How can I switch that money over into a savings account just for that house? And you break it down literally by the week and then by the month from the four, for, from whatever number it is you want to save. And you give yourself a, re- don't cut everything out because that's not going to work just like a diet. It doesn't work. You'll start binging again. But make yourself a reasonable goal and break that down because you're just kind of trying to essentially mindlessly save, it won't happen. Mm -hmm. So start with the end goal, break it down into very small, very like goals that you're very capable of. And you will feel so empowered when you are hitting those goals and making choices towards your weekly goals, as opposed to saying, I can't buy a $400,000 house right now. Like, yeah, I also can't either if I keep going out to eat every week, but my goal right now is to go out to eat every week. Right? Me too. It just depends what your priorities are. Yeah. It's what your priorities are. So if that's your priority, make it your priority. And it, it might take a while, but you will do it. And maybe you'll have to take up if, if you can't break down the amount that you need to save, that might mean change, not change of jobs, maybe an additional job. If this is your priority, you might need to have make it work. Maybe you have strengths in like organizing closets and you charge someone a hundred dollars to organize their closet. There's a hundred dollars for that week. You could do that once a week. So you, if you want it bad enough, I always believe you'll get it, but it's about making your goals very specific. Mm-hmm. celebrating those small wins and like yes. putting them into bite-sized chunks that you can like actually check them off and attain them. And then it turns into the, like the big picture. Win. Yes. Yes. You are a genius. <laughs> if people need to get in touch with you, if they want to follow you, uh, this interview like makes my heart so warm and it's Thank been amazing getting to know on. you. Thank you. I feel like we've been friends from afar, like that crazy experience years yeah, ago. Yeah, and then like, just like kind of like in a distance. In a distance, yeah. Like we're yeah. kind of in the same Bachelor Nation bubble, but. Bubble. But that bubble has gotten so big. It's so big. And Such a big bubble. You're so, like people are on the other side of the bubble. The bubble is the size of the United States of yeah. America. It's huge. That's how big the bubble is. Yes. Literally. Uh, so people should know who you are, but 
If they don't, where can they find you? How can they get in touch? So you can find me on Instagram at Katie Mo. It has two E's. So it looks like Katie Emo, which I am. Um, <laughs> which I am emotional. So Emo it is. It makes sense. Um, Katie Emo. People literally send packages with my last name Emo. I'm like hilarious. Um, <laughs> oh then God. on TikTok and Twitter at Hello Katie Mo. Just one E. Kept it simple. Um, and then I'm also on YouTube. So I look at my YouTube as the housing situation. Just trying to bought off one video at a time because it looks very daunting. But I'm trying to do one small video at a time, guys. Goals. Stay tuned, world. She is going to be like making big moves, <laughs> taking the world over. She doesn't know where she's going to be living quite yet. But, no. but wherever I'm living, I'll be taking over that space. <laughs> you will. Owning it. <laughs> Owning it with a smile and sneakers. There Speaking we go. Speaking of rent, <laughs> I have no rent. I am out. No, that's okay. We we don't need that. We want to eat out. We we can just. That's why you have a boyfriend. You can crash on his couch. I'm eating out this week, so I've actually moved out of my apartment. <laughs> Boom. That's how it works. Okay. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening to this episode. Stay tuned for more. Bye.